Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, our producer, as our producer, and she is our VP of Finance and Operations. For today's episode, we are interviewing Mark Hirschberg. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I am excited about the Career Toolkit and learning more about it. Before we start, though, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Certainly. I have a very unique dual career path. I came out of MIT in the 90s and I started doing tech startups. I still do that as my primary job, but early on, I realized that I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. What I quickly learned was to get that job, it wasn't just being the best engineer. There were all these other skills I would need, leadership, communications, team building, hiring. No one ever taught them to me. So I had to develop the skills in myself. And I quickly realized they're not just for executives. These skills are for everyone. So I began to upskill my team. Now, as I did this, MIT and many other universities discovered these are the skills everyone's asking for, but no one is teaching. And MIT wanted to put together a program now referred to as our Career Success Accelerator. When I heard about it, I reached out. I said, let me give you the content I've developed for my teams. I thought I'd be one and done with that. But instead, <laughs> they asked me to help co-create that class. I helped out some of the professors doing it. They asked me to stay and teach. And so in parallel to my career building tech startups, for over two decades, I've also been teaching at MIT's Career Success Accelerator. And now, of course, other universities, other companies, the book, the app, and the speaking that I do. I love it. I'm glad that you are here today. We are glad that you're here today to share your wisdom with us. So Very. let's just start out at a high level. What is, uh, what do we need to know about the career toolkit? More than you know, it's, it's stuff that we need to know to do our jobs well that's not taught in colleges. There are 10 skills in the book broken into three sections. Section one, careers, how to create and execute a career plan. Chapter two, working effectively, skills like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture and how to fit into it. Chapter three is on interviewing. Now, there's lots of material on, as a candidate, how do I answer this question? But very rarely do we train people how to hire others and yet that's such a big part of what many of us do in our jobs, finding the right people is so critical. The second section, leadership and management, there's a chapter on leadership, and then two chapters, one on the people side of management, one on the process side. Not for people with certain titles, but the management and leadership we all do, no matter what level we're at. And then the third section, interpersonal dynamics, that has a chapter on communication, one on networking, one on negotiating, and one on ethics. And these are the skills that, as your listeners know, we see over and over companies ask for, but they aren't in a core curriculum. One other note, the book is written as a toolkit. You don't have to read it front to back. You can <laughs> jump right to chapter eight and just focus on networking skills. Then you put it down. Then you come back a couple months later, go to chapter two, working effectively. It's a set of tools for the reader to use when and how she wants. And each chapter 
has a mental shift, and then actionable tips and takeaways with next steps. I think it's brilliant to approach it that way. And yeah. I'm listening as you're sharing some of the contents, the, the essential skills really that are included. So management and communication and interviewing. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is all stuff that we need to know. And I'd kind of love to know your take because you're so right that we don't always get access to this. This is not always information we're taught. Why aren't we taught this? Why isn't this more of a conversation that organizations are having or individuals are having or maybe having at a university level? The conversations aren't happening. I'm curious your thoughts. Why aren't they? Great question. <laughs> at the high school level, it doesn't happen because high school is a relatively new invention designed for a different purpose. It came about as we moved from the farms to the factory. On the farm, we didn't need it because boys learn from dad and girls learn from mom, and that's how it worked. As we got into the factory, you needed skills, reading, writing, arithmetic, so you didn't walk into the room marked sharp blades, stay out. <laughs> we needed basic skills. That's expanded a little over time. But in fact, I've talked to premier educators. No one's ever said, well, we stepped back and we thought about why we need this skill, but not that skill. It's kind of just mm. holistically evolved one step after another and it's out of date. Now at the yeah. college level, university level, that goes back about 900 years. And the problem with the universities, it's run by professors. Now I like <laughs> professors, I teach with them. Oh yeah. here's the thing, they're experts. So if you go and get a degree in marketing, well, the experts, the marketing professors say, well, we know about marketing and these are the classes you need to take. Take some intro, intermediate, some senior level classes. And if you do all that, We'll give you a certificate saying you are an expert in marketing or some level of knowledge. We're not saying you're a good marketer. We're not saying you're a good employee. <laughs> just you have this knowledge. And back circa 1950, that was sufficient because you were a cog in a machine. And you sat in your little desk and your boss said, do this. And you said, yes, sir. Here you go, sir. Done. What next, sir? And you only needed to know how to do your mechanical work. But as the workplace transformed in the 80s, 90s, even the last 20 years, we went from, I send my desk, I'm told what to do, to now, if you're a 25-year-old marketer, you're telling the CMO, hey, we need to be on TikTok and here's why. CMO says, okay, yeah. explain TikTok to me. <laughs> Yeah. We, at all levels, need to take initiative, need to communicate with different people in different departments as a different skill set. But academia moves slowly. And it's another 20 or 30 years before they catch up to giving us the education we need to be effective in today's world. Yeah. Do you think the last couple of years is going to speed that up? I'm hoping so, but it will happen in an indirect way. What we're seeing, of course, with universities is people are saying, why am I spending all this money to go to some university if I can get the knowledge online? And yeah. they're right. If you are just getting knowledge, I can get that online. At MIT, for example, we gave away our content. We were one of the first universities to put all our content online because the very large checks I wrote to them was not so I could learn F equals MA and all the other formulas <laughs> in physics, you can get that anywhere. <laughs> it was the experience of being there. It was yeah. the hands-on work. It was interacting with other students and faculty. That is what you can't easily replicate online. And when colleges realize this is the value proposition, yeah. 
that's going to drive people to university. But we're going to see a shakeout first and universities will start to transition and say, we have to emphasize these skills because they're not as easy to just memorize this. Yeah, yeah I think... It's really important to to remember that to that experience side of things. And in fact, I'm really interested in your thoughts too. You'd mentioned teamwork a little bit ago and you know the concept of teams. How have you seen teams in a workplace start to use the career handbook? Or do you typically see people use the handbook on more of an individual basis? Is it a tool that a team could use together? It can be done both ways. Certainly as an individual, mm. it's a, hey, I want to get these skills but it is even better as a team. And there is a free guide on the resources page of the careertoolkitbook.com, free download, you don't even need to give your email, to explain how you can use this to upskill your entire team. And now here's the key. When you think about these skills, when you think about teamwork or leadership or communication, it's different than how do I use TikTok? If you wanna learn how to use TikTok, Go watch the video, read some guide, click this button, upload here. That is knowledge transfers, memorizing what to do. When you're teaching your employees how to fill out the new expense reimbursement system, that's knowledge transfer. But when it comes to leadership, there are no three boxes to check. There is no formula for networking. So we can't just say one and done. If you think about sports teams or an orchestra, you don't say, I'm going to give you two hours of a violin lesson. Okay, done. Welcome to the orchestra. You're going to play for the <laughs> season. What do we do? We say, you're going to keep practicing alone and together. And this is how you get better. In sports, we scrimmage. We'll watch the tape of ourselves, of other people. This is how we need to teach these skills. Now, it's great that companies do a, you're getting promoted. We're sending you to a two-day leadership course, but you're not done in two days. So yeah. what you want to do is set up some type of regular cadence. Once or twice a month, you get groups of people together and get a diverse mix, not the usual diversity, race and age and get that too, but you wanna get different experience, different departments, different perspectives. So you'll have your salespeople with your engineers, with your marketers, and you engage with some content. Yes, you can use my book, read a few pages of that. But if you don't want to use my book, use another leadership book, use an article on marketing, use something on like use a great podcast like this one. You get that content, have everyone listen or read it. And then we discuss because if we're talking about leadership, say, oh, well, here's what I took away. And you're going to have a different perspective. And then someone's going to say, you know, I have a leadership challenge and here's what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And we're going to get feedback. Someone's going to say, oh, I had a similar challenge and here's what I did and here's what worked and here's what didn't. That's our scrimmage. Mm. Because the bottom line is I can't go to my team and say, okay, I'm going to lead this afternoon. Oh, you know what? I screwed that up. Time out. Do over. Forget, <laughs> forget the last five hours. It doesn't work that way. So in these small groups, whether it's discussion from the reading or using case studies that you can bring in, this is where you can practice and grow. This is the technique used at top business schools. This is the technique we use when we're teaching at MIT. And this is a technique you can implement at your organization at little or no cost to upskill your entire team. Mm. Man, talk about maximizing the knowledge transfer. I love this. I would have, I, I, I wish I had this uh, 10 years ago when I was leading teams. 
And it gives you even more because not only are you upskilling your team, you are creating employee engagement. Mm -hmm. You're not just saying, yeah, yeah, we give you a paycheck. What more do you want? We know employees want to feel engaged and cared about. That's the second thing. We do care about you. We want to help you grow. You are increasing your internal network because now I'm meeting people outside my department. We know how important that is. And you're creating a common language. If, for example, you pick the book, Good to Great, in that book, they talk about the hedgehog model. Well, if everyone on the team has read it, you can in a meeting say, well, let's take the hedgehog approach. And everyone goes, yep, hedgehog, got it. You create this framework that makes it easier to communicate. So whether it's my book or another book or this podcast, when you've all had access to that content, you increase your communications because you have the same language. I'll... I'm hearing a lot of another element to that too, or, you know, kind of thinking about how people might be able to really connect into this. And one of the thoughts I had is how this really brings a layer of accountability into the work Mm. that you do. So in addition to helping others being part of conversations, this is really about taking accountability for your own development, what you're going to do to help to improve yourself and bring your best self to all of the engagements you may have in the workplace. That's absolutely Mm. right. As we knew it earlier, school is not giving you these skills. Unfortunately, we don't often get it from our parents. It would be Mm -hmm. great to get it from companies, but we also know anytime there's a recession, what is the first thing that gets cut? It's L&D, first thing out the door. And so companies, at the same time, we've also said to HR, by the way, not only do you have to hire people? And now you get that mountain of resumes because I can just click, click, click and submit all day long to jobs. You've got a mountain of resumes. Said, oh, and you need diversity training and we have to worry about sexual harassment and we have to worry about what's our ESG and other corporate issues are throwing that on you. And so you've been getting burdened. And unfortunately, it's the employee who suffer and we need to have the employees take that responsibility and say, I've got to develop myself. Now, hopefully some of these low overhead programs you can implement to help them. But yes, employees, we as individuals need to take responsibility for our own development. Yeah. Yeah. What now, earlier, getting... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I was just going to ask earlier, you had mentioned um, each section of the book has a mind shift section. And I'm just curious because I love anything perception shift kind of stuff. What is an example of one of those? Let's take networking. Now, most people, if you say, what is networking? Say, well, that's how I find a job. And we see so (laughs) many people say, hey, I got to find a new job. Time to start networking. Mm -hmm. That is terrible. There's a great book with a wonderful title, by Harvard Mackey called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Yes. You don't say, oh, I'm, I'm thirsty. Time to start digging. <laughs> Your network, first, it's something you need to build a little every day. You have to have the mentality that I have to build it today so it's there tomorrow. But then here's the second piece. Most people, again, think, well, this is how I find a job. Well, I don't need a job. I don't need to network right now. Yeah. But in fact, if you think about it the right way, I think of it like my cell phone. Now, here's the thing about cell phones. Cell phones, we talk about how they are an extension of ourselves. I don't have to remember, what's the fastest land mammal? Land mammal, (laughs) excuse me. 
I'm more animal. I'm just going to pull that up when I need it. Oh, what's the address of the thing I'm going to tomorrow night? I don't know. It's in my phone. This is my brain extended. Yes. Well, my network is me extended as well. Mm -hmm. If I need to hire someone, okay, I will go to my network and say, who do you know? If I need a job, who has a job for me? But I can also use it for, hey, there's a new technology out there. I'm not really up to date. Who in my network is an expert on that? I need to reach out and talk to someone in this organization, not to sell or buy or hire, just I got to talk to them for something. Who in my network can open that door? My network is me extended. And once you see that, just like your phone, this doesn't just make phone calls. It can do so much more. (laughs) Your network isn't just for hiring. It can solve so many of your problems and it's sitting there, but we don't use it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it really is about extending your knowledge in different ways. I and by the way, Chris, I was actually going to ask a perception question. So That's clearly, so funny. we have been we've been working together too long. But I'm glad our minds were tracking. But I I do have another question to ask you. It it really I think it kind of stems from some of that as well. When you're thinking about what it looks like to get started, for a lot of people, the idea of building their essential skills can feel a little bit sensitive, perhaps. It can feel a little bit vulnerable. Deciding how and maybe you got some feedback from someone. How do you find people typically approach beginning that journey? Does it start what maybe a manager says, hey, I want you to focus here? Or, you know, does it typically start with the individual? I'm, I'm wondering what you've experienced or how that, that journey tends to start. It has to come in the individual because if yeah. you don't believe this is valuable, yeah. you're not going to do it. Now, the manager might provide the spark but you're the one who has to fan the flame inside you. But Mm -hmm. there are a number of techniques. Remember, I've been teaching this for 20 plus years. And in fact, teaching to very cynical MIT students to start. (laughs) Now I teach to all sorts of people, not just college students, not just engineers, people, all sorts of levels, all sorts of industries. But we began with cynical college students. And one of the great things is we've had decades to learn what resonates, what doesn't, what's the right way to say this to get people excited about it. So here's a simple example. Now, this uses a little bit of math, but it's sixth grade math. So everyone should be able to follow <laughs> Oh, that's <along>. okay then. <laughs> we'll do our very best. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, we're going to do a little word problem. You've got a rectangle that's four by 10. You have to increase one of the sides by two units to maximize the area. Now, feel free to pause the podcast if you need a moment to think of that. <laughs> but now that you're back, you said, okay, we go from four to six gives us 60. Okay, great. What does this have to do with anything we've been talking about? (laughs) Let's think conceptually what's happening. When you add two units to that short side, those two units are amplified by that long side, Mm -hmm. by that 10. Putting the two on the 10, it only gets amplified by the four. Mm -hmm. All of us have short sides and long sides, more than two. So imagine, for example, you are a domain expert. Maybe you are great at the treasury function in your company, or you are a fantastic marketer and you know all the subtleties of social media, or you're a brilliant engineer, but your ability to communicate technical ideas, I don't just mean engineering, technical, your domain ideas to people outside your field is limited. It's that short side. So you might be brilliant, but you are long and thin and have a small area and you're not as effective. Mm -hmm. 
Now, all of us, we have to work our long sides. I'm in technology. If I'm not paying attention, I become a dinosaur. So work <laughs> on your long sides. But the ROI that you get by working on your short side from being a bad public speaker, I don't mean you have to get on that TED stage. I mean, going from incoherent to you can talk to people at a conference room of 10 people, or you can explain your technical idea to a non-technical audience, or you can write more concise emails. And so these long rambly things, no one wants to read anyway, these little improvements going from that four to a six gives you such an important ROI. And so yes, keep working on those long sides, but putting a little bit of time on our short sides, and we're talking tens of hours a year, has a huge benefit on our overall capability and success. Oh, I love that analogy, even though it involved yeah. math. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I forgave the math, but I agree. I mean, it's really that call to having a growth mindset as well, you know, and, yeah. and giving yourself that space to be able to identify ways that you want to grow and improve. We all can do that. In fact, that's why so many of us are in talent development. But, you know, really hearing that call to action is very powerful. Yeah. The key is. People think, well, that CEO, she's such a great leader. Mm -hmm. That person at TED stage is such a great public speaker. I am so far behind. But you're saying don't go from four to 40, go from four to six, just a little bit better. Yeah. And once you get how powerful that can be, those small steps, which are much easier to take, suddenly look so much more attractive. Mm. They really do. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, what a great visual too. When you think about how you're making that professional climb and taking that journey. I mean, there have been so many incredible tidbits within this conversation so far. I'm, I'm actually quite sad that we're coming to the end of this part, but very happy that we still have a few more questions for you. So we are moving into our rapid fire section of our episode. And I have a feeling you might uh, you might be a little bit ready for this, but I am going to ask, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> These are some of our favorites. So we have three quick questions for you. Each one of them takes no more than about 60 seconds or so to answer. And the first question we've got for you is, give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'm going to give you one but I will give you 30 more because on the resources page <laughs> of the careertoolkitbook.com, I reference all the books I reference in mine to go mm. deeper on some topics, as well as other books that helped me on my career journey. But I'm gonna pick just one, Peopleware by Tom DeMarco and Timothy Lister. Mm. It is nominally about managing software engineering. There's not a line of code in the book. Don't worry about, well, I'm not technical. <laughs> What it says is that most software projects fail, not because of technological reasons. Oh, we need to hire some smart PhDs, but for sociological reasons. Mm -hmm. The team wasn't on the same page. There was a miscommunication. There was a personality conflict. And I was lucky to read that book early and it helped me understand management is about people. And so yeah. any and every manager should read this book to get that mindset. Wow. I can't wait to read that. And I actually can't wait to recommend that to a few colleagues facing similar conversations and questions in their roles. What a great recommendation. All right. Your second question. What is one tool that you can't live without? Email. Uh, <laughs> and I know that's basic, but the reality is 
Email is how we communicate. Email is at the basis of what we do. Where do you spend most of your time? Love it's in email. So email is a very basic tool. Now, if you want something slightly different, because maybe that felt like a little bit of a cop out, I will tell you one of the things I found when I read books is that I quickly forget what's in a book. So for my book, I created the Brain Bump, excuse me, the Career Toolkit app, which has all the tips in my book and surfaces them to you passively at a time you set each day Oh, nice! to help retain it. Now, I don't need to remember what's in my book. So I created the Brain Bump app, which is a general version. So people who have other books, blogs, podcasts, talks, put their content in there. And when I see something, it helps me remember it. I don't even have to open the app. I just get a push each day with one of the tips I want to remember. So it's a great cool. way to passively learn using spaced repetition. Oh, I love that idea. That is definitely one I'll take a look at. Although I am with you on the email. Yeah. Hard to get past email. It is one of my favorite tools for a reason. <laughs> All right. Final question from us for you today. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? There are two, but for this group, I'm going to pick one that's probably more appropriate. Hanlon's Razor. And I actually have a section on this in the book. Hanlon's Razor never ascribe to malice that which can be explained by mere stupidity. And so often in life, in work, oh, you just pissed me off. I can't believe you did that. You weren't trying to harm me. You weren't trying to harm the project. You probably thought you were doing the right thing, but we had that miscommunication, misunderstanding. We heard different things or understood it differently. And by going in with mentality instead of, I can't believe you did that to me, to, hey, um, here's what happened. Let me understand what were you thinking? Here's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. Now I get, we avoided a fight. In fact, maybe we found oh, we heard different things. Let's go back to that person and figure out who's got it correct. And we're going to prevent more problems. So Hanlon's razor, never ascribe to malice, that which can be explained by mere stupidity. Oh my gosh, oh gosh I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> yeah, it's everything about that. That is, uh, I, I had not thought of that in a while. We're going to go ahead and resurface that one in my world. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you again for having me. I really appreciate being here and the time your audience gave us. Oh, and of course, we want to thank our community for listening as well. But before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you a member of the Metro DC chapter of ATD? We have resources just for you. Go to dcatd.org and select the members only section of resources to access our digital library member directory and chapter documents. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on volunteer to get started.